Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Welcome to the Sages Among Us. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I'm really pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight. Rick Partridge is a retired human resources professional who relocated to Nevada City full time in 2021. He is a very active community member, a board member for Color Me Human, and board chair for Nevada County Pride, among so much more. Rick, welcome to the Sages Among Us. Thanks, Lori. It's, I'm excited uh, and a little nervous to be here, but I appreciate the kind words in the introduction. Well, I, I think that we'll have no trouble filling the half an hour because we've just been busy chatting away, but there's still a lot that I have not learned about you yet. Okay. So we really like to start by learning a little bit about your early days. Where did you grow up? Um, my husband had cousins visiting last week from South Carolina, and, and within an hour of them being here, I started to get my Alabama accent back. Oh, so, so I was I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, in the fifties. Won't say exactly which year in the fifties, uh, and uh, and lived in in, in the South uh, pretty much until coming to California uh, in two thousand. So uh, third grade was a relocation to Jacksonville, Florida. Long story behind that, but uh, stayed in the South, and uh, all my family is still uh, in the South. Uh, the good thing is they all like to come visit California, so that we don't have to go back there a whole lot. <laughs> well, it does sound really interesting, and I would not have thought that until now. I'm hearing your Southern uh, accent. Oh, yeah. So I can, I can turn it on for you. <laughs> now, in looking at your background... It's just amazing to me all the uh, involvement that you've had in uh, the in community, local community, yeah. and especially you've shared uh, in your background with uh, about the um, uh, um, San Jose and, and different areas, and then now locally. But did you was your family? Did you grow up in a family that was always volunteering? Um. You know, at the time, I didn't really know that's what we were doing. But looking back on it, yeah, my dad was a civitan. I don't know if the civitans. I it's don't like know a the civitan. It's like Kiwanis Club. Oh, okay. Rotaries. And I remember uh, one of the first things I would go help him do is they sold uh, fruitcake, Claxton fruitcake from Georgia. And, uh, and was involved, I, you know, uh, did that, um, was a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout and did uh, food drives and f uh, clothing drives. And so most any involvement I had was based on my parents being very supportive of it and, and being role models in terms of what they did in the community for me, uh, for me and my two younger sisters. Well, so, do yeah. you, do you even remember what your first volunteer activity or, or job was? Oh, gosh. Um, it was probably something related to 
Boy Scouts. It was probably a, a food drive, something like that. It may have been we were very active in the Methodist church that I grew up in, uh, you know, in the youth group and the choir, and we were always doing community service things too. So, yeah, I can't remember the exact first one, but those are a couple that come to, come to mind. Well, what were some of the er- your early passions, areas of interest? Uh, well, um, my sisters and I were expected to um, to earn a little money, and and I th- I think it was a pa- I cut I cut yards in our neighborhood, um, is with the old push mower kind exactly exactly <laughs> and and as soon as I was tall enough to do that so that would have been in Jacksonville, probably seventh grade ish and I was allowed to cut one lawn a day after school Monday through Friday and make a dollar or two, and whatever the going rate was. And so I thought, um, you know, gardening, landscaping, something like that would be a really cool area to get into. So, but passions, um, I, you know, I was looking back on it, probably um, more, uh, somewhat of a jock. I swam on the swim team. I became a lifeguard. I taught water safety and swimming to kids growing up. So I did some of that during, uh, during high school and college. Uh, re- reading was a passion, uh, and it still is. Um, the high school I went to with my sisters required you to do a summer reading list where you, I, I think, had to read 10 books during the summer. Wow. Which, which seemed insurmountable. It, it would seem insurmountable. In high school. <laughs> but somehow, you know, with my parents reminding us that, hey, we're two weeks away from school starting, how many books have you read? So those would be, and, you know, in the South you can do, like here, if you can put up with the bugs and the humidity and the thunderstorms, you can do stuff pretty much outdoors year-round, too. Yeah. So did you know what kind of things you might want to be doing when you were a kid? I mean, you have a we we'll get into your extensive professional yeah. Yeah. background shortly, but did you have an inkling? Well, somehow the idea of being a landscape person morphed into being an architect. I was constantly doodling in class. Um, and uh, architectural doodling, you know, where I would draw the the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, you know, and lay it out in a paper. Um, but then I don't know if there was a person or something happened. Um, there was, a, you know, I set my, my path on becoming a doctor and then sort of geared everything toward toward that in terms of the jobs that I had uh, at the end of high school and then um, throughout throughout college. So... That's the path that I started uh, when I went in, uh, you know, left high school and went off to college. And where did you go to college? Oh, uh, I, uh, uh, for after Jacksonville, I went to Vanderbilt University in Nashville, uh, and I studied biology with a minor in psychology, um, and that was with the expectation that I could use that for plan A, which was med school which obviously, because we're not going to talk about that tonight, didn't happen. Um, Plan B was to use the psychology minor and to go into the field of of some counseling would probably be what I would describe my thinking was been uh, would be. And so when I finished at Vanderbilt, I went right to the University of Florida, 
where I did study uh, counseling and got a, a master's degree in counseling. And then <clears throat> what was offered was a one-year post-master's degree called a, a specialist degree, which was really an, an all-but-dissertation um, degree, which I, I didn't want to do. So um, thinking I would go work uh, as a social worker, as a therapist or something like that, which um, here's another turn I made. I never did, I never did that. So, well, so did you have any mentors during that time that helped you decide what path uh, to take? Um, you know, probably, gosh, I can remember our, our choir director for a while, uh, Bob was one, um, you know, there were several along the way, probably in the clubs that I was involved in at school, um, both uh, undergraduate and graduate school. But the ones that stick mostly are as mentors were in my professional career, um, executives that I supported as their um, head of human resources as I got into my career. Yeah, so we'll just segue into that. Oh. So you, you you get this master's in psychology, you decide not to go further uh and then there's a shift that you yeah. you you were you focused it into the business world yeah, and yeah. human re resources. Yeah, good 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 question. So the pivot that I did there, as part of that degree program at the University of Florida, you had to do two internships. And the first one I did at the University of Florida Counseling Center. And even then, this was in the 80s. This is a university that's 50,000 students. And uh, I spent that semester mostly talking to freshmen, well, I should say listening to freshmen who were going through separation anxiety. They'd been in a high school with maybe a thousand kids and mm. now they were in a university with 50,000. Or they were spending all their times playing uh, uh, Dungeon and Dragons and not doing well in school. And so I was running groups and doing one-on-one -on -one and it's like, wow. I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life. And so my second internship um, actually landed me uh, more in the business focus, which had been a way you could build your studies. A lot of my electives I took in the MBA program. So I took organizational uh, development, organizational behavior, industrial psychology, and I landed an internship uh, with IBM in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's how the HR career kind of started. So I did the internship there. I had to go back to Gainesville to wrap things up. And then I got a couple of offers to go to IBM locations on the East uh, Coast. And uh, uh, I went to Charlotte because I was dating uh, someone then uh, who's now my husband. Oh. And so we met. So actually, that's a full circle. Yeah, <laughs> so we were, uh, we actually met in Charlotte when I was an intern um, at IBM. And then, uh, as I said, went, went back to Gainesville. And then it's like, of course I'm going back to Charlotte if I get an offer there because that's where, where Jack is. So, yeah, that's how that started. Yeah, so IBM, I mean, that, that is, to me, uh, like the epitome of a great business. And, um, you know, you were going in a different path. So how did that, that fit yeah. for you? It, it actually was perfect. I mean, again, I probably didn't say that at the time because it was a very different environment in the 80s. Um, IBM in the 80s, very conservative. Um, at least the look to the outside was conservative. 
it was my my uniform coming right out of graduate school with lots of loans to pay off. I could afford five suits, and they were navy blue, navy blue, black, maybe a pinstripe, uh, white shirts, and you know very traditional rep ties, and 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 so that was sort of the culture of the company, um, at least in Charlotte. Uh, in terms of navigating that. But I, I fell into a w- really wonderful group of about 100, um, what was then called personnel. So when I started my career with a focus on personnel management, which was what it was called at the University of Florida, that's how you actually started at IBM. And then years later, it morphed, in, morphed into human resources. So how did you end up moving around with that? Were those all promotions or you wanted to live different places? Yes and yes. And the third one I would add to that is Jack would tell you I get, I'm pretty easily bored by stuff. So even in Charlotte for the three years we were there, I had, I had three different jobs, which is perfect. Um, so, and then an opportunity came to move to Atlanta. We were, we were wanting to get out of what was then a very small town with a, again, very conservative, very, very Bible belt. You know, you had the Methodist church on one corner across the street from the Baptist church across the street from the other Baptist church. And it's like Atlanta, if you were going to be gay and live in the South is where you wanted to get to. And so set our sights on going to Atlanta. Um, and, and getting a different a job in Atlanta as well. Well, you're listening to the Sages Among, Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking to Rick Partridge, board chair of Nevada County Pride, an active community member involved in so much more. So we're just talking about how you got to Atlanta yeah. and that, that that was where you set your sights. Right. And right. this whole time that you are, are working a high-level career, I noticed in the... Uh, the resume that you sent, and, and I just absolutely love this. You have your professional resume and a volunteer resume, and they're both incredibly long. <laughs> so you were always, and it make it totally makes sense now when you said that um, Jack says that you uh, uh, get bored easily because you're always involved in things. So, so what kind of things did you start to get involved in uh, yeah, yeah. in your while you were in your professional career, and then? Uh, in the communities. Yeah. Well, I think the psychology undergraduate minor and then the graduate school in counseling, I was always doing stuff in the community with that focus where I could use, you know, for lack of a better word, the helping skills that I was learning and put them to use. So working in Nashville, even when I was not making great grades, and at least not great enough grades to get into medical school. I was working at the Crisis Intervention Center, you know, one shift a week, you know, at night, where you were dealing with um, people who were in some, some sort of distress. Um, d- did the same thing in um, uh, Gainesville at the University of Florida. So that's just been, I, you know, maybe it's in my DNA, maybe it's just something I needed to balance the very conservative sort of business focus of my day job and do something outside of my, my, my day job that really fueled my passion. And I can look back and reflect that that's really the reason why it was, because if we move ahead in my resume, um, you know, IBM 
people say means I've been moved. And, and so I've I, never heard that. I've been moved. And I liked that. And Jack, fortunately, was in a career uh, teaching. And then we went to New York to do my uh, sort of corporate charm school assignment. And he had an opportunity to go to graduate school in New York while we were up there. Went back to Atlanta, and then they wanted us to move again to Raleigh, North Carolina. And going back to North Carolina, even though we had friends there, was just not the direction we wanted to go. So I actually left after 12 years and went to Georgia Pacific, uh, the paper company, where I was the head of HR for um, what was then called IT. Um, you know, and, and that's, you asked earlier about a, a mentor that comes to mind. The executive, the, the chief information officer and executive vice president who actually hired me um, and hired me for the first time I had to actually identify to interviewers uh, as an out gay man. And it was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I mean, he looked at my resume first and saw my 12 years of what I had done with IBM and hired me because of that. But, but coming out in an interview was really a powerful thing to do. Um, most folks at IBM knew I was gay, and we, all the gay people knew who each other was, even though we were somewhat underground mm-hmm. in, the, in the 80s. But Carl Wilson was this remarkable executive who I think um, – taught me a lot of the values that I carried with me throughout the rest of my uh, professional career. And just a man of honesty, a man of conviction, a man uh, that when you think of the ideal leader as an HR professional that you want to work for, really uh, walk the talk. So if I was doing a, a meeting that uh, to kick off something that was really important, and he not only would he show up and support it, but he would be the first one messaging it throughout the organization, which was about a thousand employees. And to me, that kind of credibility in your leadership really stuck with me, and it was a leader that that I tried to be too. So long answer to your question, but sort of gives you a perspective. But then you did end up going back to IBM, right? I did. I did. I did. Um, so Carl Wilson left. He was a turnaround expert, and he went to Marriott up in Bethesda. And he told me when um, he told all the executive team that reported to him, he said, um, I'm going to get there in about, in about a month. I'm going to come back and hire you. And I, yeah, yeah, I said, yeah, right. Okay, thanks, Carl. Uh, and he did. He tried. He tried. And he, um, Jack and I went up there. We interviewed a much bigger job for him and for me. Um, again, another opportunity to, I interviewed with the then CEO of Marriott as an out gay man in a Mormon company. Oh, a, I didn't know that. Founded, a Mormon founded company. I didn't realize company. that. And, and just the ability to, to visit with someone like that and uh, ultimately turn the job down. Um, a really hard decision that um, we didn't want to move again. Uh, Washington was probably, if you were going to go to a, another city that uh, had comparable failure in its infrastructure like Atlanta did, D.C. was worse. So um, we, we stayed, and I went back, went back to IBM. And, and actually, the reason for going back to IBM, I had the opportunity to join, rejoin IBM as IBM's program manager for LGBTQ issues, a corporate job. But I got to stay in Atlanta. So I traveled a lot. But that was a really great job. We put in domestic partner benefits. 
We did the first major outreach to consumer, uh, the gay consumer market, to sell our products. It was a really exciting time and, to and be what, at IBM. What would because I do think of IBM as a very conservative company. So what would you say um, other comparable large Fortune 500 companies were doing? Were were, were they at, at the same pace? Well, sure. I mean, the, the the one that was at the leader of the pack was Apple and everything else that was happening in Silicon Valley. So Apple was leading it and the other tech companies. And, and I think, I don't know that IBM was trying to play catch up because so, so we, we sort of got it. We understood that this is something you had, you, not only you, you had to do f for your market, but you it was important to do for your values. And so, boy, I hate to jump ahead like this, sure. but I look at our time and, and oh, okay. there's so much more to talk about. So somehow you ended up on the West Coast Yep. And then you ended up teaching at uh, San Jose State. San Jose State, right. Yeah, for right. a long time. So just right. talk a little bit about that before we sure, get sure, into sure. more of what right. you're doing here. So I did that job in Atlanta, and then it's like, it's time to move again. And so the opportunity in San Jose came up to move out here. And so I was the head of HR for the San Jose's disk drive plant. At the time, about 10,000 employees. And um, did that for a few years, and then... Um, Went to another software company for a few years, um, uh, turned 50, had a midlife crisis, took six months to figure out what I wanted to do. And my last stop before teaching, is, which is an important one because it sets the stage for my nonprofit work, I, I went to Second Harvest Food Bank. Oh, that's yes. right, yes. And, and I was the head of HR there for Santa Clara County and San Mateo County. And it really gave me a first-hand look at uh, inside nonprofits, I've al I'd always been a volunteer, served on boards like at the board of Ronald McDonald House uh, in Palo Alto for three years, the Billy DeFrank Center in San Jose, and then I had some spare time, and I started teaching one class a week, uh, a semester at uh, San Jose State, Introduction to HR Management, and loved it, and mm -hmm. stayed for 12 years teaching. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And again, the whole time you stayed very connected with the community around you and volunteering. Right, right. Still doing all of that on the side, too. And and so we are just glossing over good, so much, good. Rick. Okay. I'm so you're, sorry, you're, but yeah. I do want to talk about Nevada County Pride. And yeah. and before we get delve into that, I know that you had said that uh, in 2021 is when you moved up here full-time. You and Jack moved up here full-time. But d what attracted you to Nevada County? You obviously must have bought a house before that. We did. We did. We actually uh, had the intention in 2017 of looking all up and down the Sierras at potential places. And this was the first one we visited in my spring break, March, March of 17. And we stayed at the outside inn. We could take our two golden retrievers. We stayed in the rock climbing room. We fell in love with the town and we never looked anywhere else and so it was sort of a first step toward a place to retire to silicon valley was just you know traffic and everything that was going on and so yeah and i continued to teach and then at the first year of covid having taught on zoom for a whole year i said i couldn't do it another year and sold the place in san jose moved up here and um that's when I reached out to a, someone I'd actually met at one of the Friday night, what are they called, art walks? Yeah. Sheila Cameron. And I said, Sheila, guess what? I'm here full time. We sold the house. I've got some time on my hand. Who should I talk to? And she said, oh, my God, call Wendy Willoughby. 
uh, call, and she started pointing me to places where I could get involved. The first one was actually Color Me Human. Um, if you don't know that organization, it um, an advocacy group, a support group. It's we do great work in the community for BIPOC and queer and trans folks. And so I started volunteering there, doing some teaching for Tracy, uh, the founder, and um, and then that led me to uh, start to work with Nevada County Pride. We've done uh, so much in the last 18 months that I'm super proud of. So as yeah, and can here. you tell us a little bit about that because. Yeah. I, I am aware of it, but is it just because we were so shut in during uh, COVID that we didn't see it? I mean, but now Pride is such a big thing up here, and I imagine everywhere, but I love what's going on in our community, and I notice that you have how many members? Uh, well, our mailing list goes out to about uh, 450 members. We've got our own Facebook page now, Nevada County Pride, where we, I just looked today, we're over 500 members. We've got 150 on our Instagram. So just brief history, uh, Nevada County Pride started 40 years ago as potlucks in older gay white men's houses. And up until two years ago, that was the primary mission of the organization. So this past year, we had a thousand people come during uh, the month of June. This gives me tingles. To, I mean, it's to, so exciting. To a dozen pride uh, events, not all ours, but we collaborated with a lot of them. And then we did a pride festival on August 6th at the Miners Foundry, a full day event with 650 people. We hosted the California Gay and Lesbian Caucus. It's really been a year of big change, big challenges, um, but we're up for those challenges and super excited. And you are the chair of Correct. this organization, Rick. So I have to say that it's got to have a lot to do with some of the energy that, that you bring to organizations. Um, but is, would you say that other communities are, ex are this engaged as Nevada County Pride is? Because it really does seem like... Um, Nevada County Pride is, is... Well, we're the new kid in town, which gets you lots of attention. We just got our 501c nonprofit status. We're, I'm recruiting for new board members. We've got uh, folks, we're, we're doing a, a, some work with a Sierra Nevada community with the hospital on issues around rural health care for, for queer and trans people. We've had a couple of sessions there with the CEO. So a lot of things happening that are very positive, I think, for the whole community. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're just got a few, okay. few short minutes sure, left. Sure. I, I mean, I, I just wondered... I mean, you did say that you just were taking this road trip and you found Nevada County. Um, is, and this was like your first and only stop in terms of where you want to live. But what is it that um, keeps you here? Do you have any time, personal time, to do anything? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good balance. Uh, my tennis game is probably back to the level that I had when I was in college, hiking, swimming, outdoor activities. The location was part of why we chose here. You know, a little over an hour to Tahoe, not that far to get to San Francisco. The the sea, just driving around here and hiking with my dog today, the beauty of the fall, the four seasons, even though the two snowmageddons, the last two years were not fun. But yeah, um, lots, of, lots of other things that I enjoy doing. And we have a couple minutes. Yeah. I do want to throw sure. in because I'm just so in awe of how you jump in and get involved. But you're also a graduate of a couple of local community programs. Oh. So would you tell us what those are? Yeah. So Sheila Cameron again said you need you need to go to the Citizens Academy. 
I did that first. Uh, and that's through the county, through Nevada county, county. Nevada County, 2021. Made great connections, made, met all the county staff, uh, met Heidi Hall. In fact, two weeks ago, Heidi came out to my neighborhood for the second year in a row and did a neighborhood meeting with over 80 people coming to learn about how they can be civically involved. And then af after that, uh, Shannon Moon, who I got to, to meet on a number of occasions, says, you, you need to take the Sheriff's Academy, and I, and I did that too. I highly recommend both of them to you know, get to know how county government works. Uh, I'd, I'd done that in San Jose and done that in Santa Clara County, but so different up here. Well, and so in our last about a minute here, um, if you did have a magic wand to take care of a problem or to create something new and special, um, what would it be for the community? Oh, uh, boy, there's, um, you know, the... the the issues here are smaller than the, certainly the ones in Silicon Valley around housing affordability, around homeless, around food insecurity. I learned all about that at the food bank. But all of those things clearly are important ones to need to be looked at. But I think the one that comes to mind because of my social justice work is how do, how do we continue to make the second whitest county in the state more welcoming of, of BIPOC, queer, and trans people? And, and that's why I'm focused so much on this work. Well, I just, I'm in awe of how oh. fast you have jumped in and connected with people and have, um, you, you are you are a very engaging person, Rick, and you are definitely uh, in the middle of everything I'm aware of in the community. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, my guest tonight has been Rick Partridge, the board chair of Nevada County Pride and a, and a very, very active community member involved in so much more. So thank you for joining us, Rick. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And the purpose of this program is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of our community. Discover how you can join, uh, how you can make a difference by tuning in on Wednesdays at now our 6 o'clock time. Next Wednesday, your host is Brian Buckley. You've been listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for everything you do to make our community great.